Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the middle of the week edition of Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit pearlriverresort.com and check out all that they've got going on, especially at Sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thanks as always for being with us. Something we don't do very often, but uh, because of schedules we do time to time. Let's have a leadoff hitting guest. We are going to get into plenty of baseball this afternoon, but we'll start with basketball on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. The one and only Pat Bradley from ESPN and the SEC Network joins us this afternoon. Pat, it's been a while, man. How are you? Good, brother. Good, brother. I'm, I'm, I'm used to seeing you on the screen with Joe Klein, the big head Joe Klein. Big Joe from Slater Mo. He is one of a kind. Good, good dude. A fellow, uh, a fellow Razorback, right? Oh, no, right. Absolutely, absolutely. He's he's one of the all timers, man. And he slings uh he slings barbecue, but charges me double. Well, you know, he knows rich people when he sees them, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey, well, he must uh, be looking. He must be looking right through me and into the guy behind me. There you go. There you go. Let's jump in and talk a little bit about the Sweet Sixteen and kind of big picture first. Three of the sixteen teams are from the SEC. One of them, your alma mater, Arkansas, who will take on uh, will take on UConn. You got Tennessee there playing FAU, and y- you would think that that means a good path for Tennessee to the Elite Eight. And then uh, also the number one overall seed, Alabama. So three SEC teams in the Sweet 16. Did you expect it to be more than that, or is that the number you thought? I had said five. Okay. Um, Bama, for sure. I like Kentucky's draw. Uh, They were right there. They had the opportunity to beat Kansas State. If Kansas State didn't have that kid, their point guard, play like uh, Chris Paul in his prime, they would have beat them. And <laughs> Kansas State makes two three-pointers in the last two minutes of the game. That was just the death nail. Like, it was just too much. It was a you know uh, a close game, and you get a team that makes two threes, and, and, and they pull away. Um, I thought Texas A&M was playing so well at the end of the year 
that they had a chance. I mean, who who didn't think that, you know, how they were playing, you know, second best in the league, uh, that, that they couldn't have uh, upset Texas, you know, and state game and state rivalry. So I had them, and, and I um, – and I actually had the Hogs beat in Kansas because of the matchup, you know, the perimeter matchup. So um, outside of that, the only one with Tennessee, like Duke was playing great, and yeah. we didn't know how Tennessee would play in that type of a game without the Kai Ziegler. And, boy, did they show us how they can play in that type of game without the Kai Ziegler. Well, it, it really is fascinating when, when you look at the way Rick Barnes has done it with this team because I mean, we're talking about a team that was number one in the country early in the year in, in Tennessee, and everybody had picked to be a potential Final Four team, but but they were up and down offensively. The defense stayed pretty good throughout, up and down offensively, and then just a devastating injury, and yet here we find them on the second weekend and I wonder if it's, you know, second weekend with a chance to, to kind of keep on rolling given their draw. Yeah, it is. Well, what we didn't know, again, was uh, how would Jemai Meshack, who has stepped in um, to really play the point guard position. You know, I mean, Vescovy still does it. Josiah Jordan James can still run it. Tyreek Key also runs it at times. But here's what's interesting to me. Is as great as the Kai Ziegler was, fast gets down on defense. He's about five foot ten. Meshack is six four, hmm. and that gives you an element of size in that backcourt. Yeah. That my goodness, man! And Meshack is a defensive minded dude. So that's interesting to me to watch. Now, Vescovy just took over in that first half. I'm talking his shots were falling. That was the difference in the first half. B.A. Kamwa uh, showed his offensive ability. You know, the ceiling is really high for Olivier Kamwa. I don't know if he's going to come out and, and, and play like that on the offensive end, but it just gives you a glimpse of what Tennessee can be when you've got those things clicking uh, outside of their great physicality and defense. Let's talk a little bit about your Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, I, I think I can call them yours. You, you, you put in enough, uh, enough sweat along hey. the way. First of and, all, and and two teeth. By the way, I got two teeth knocked out. I got two fake <laughs> teeth because of, because of uh, going after a loose loose ball. So I gave blood, sweat, tears, and teeth. Who is your all time favorite Razorback? Wow. Well, I, I mean, I, I got to start with my 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 old roommate, Guy Whitney from Bentonville, Arkansas, six <laughs> foot five. Duh, he 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 has the record for the fastest. Uh, foul out. I think he fouled out five fouls in seven minutes. It was incredible to watch. That's spectacular. Uh, so outside of uh, outside of him, you know, my, I'm I'm partial to my teammates, Kareem Reed, Derek Hood. You know, I've been through the battles with those guys. I still talk with those guys. Still love those guys. Um, but non teammates, you know, the guys that set the stage for my team: Scotty Thurman, Colas Williamson, Corey Beck. I still talk with um, Clint McDaniel, Clint uh, uh, Davo, Remock, Al Dillard. Those are the guys I looked up to because they were so close. Now, outside of that, Lee Mayberry's a great friend, Todd. I mean, I, I made it a point to make sure that I had relationships with the former players, going all the way back to Sidney Moncrief, uh, Tommy Boyer, who's got a statue in front of Bud Walton Arena. 
So I, I think every player should invest time in getting to know the history of the program, the players that have been there, the coaches that have been there, heck, even the, the secretaries of, that have been there. We had one, a great one, and Terry Murphy has been there for over 30 years. She just retired. So that's what matters to me, you know, and um, that's what I think makes for a program to be able to have success in the future if, if you continue to kind of include everybody. Because um, that puts a little extra pressure now. But when you get pressure from a former player, that's a little yeah. bit different than getting pressure from the fans, the media. I mean, because those players look at you in the eyes and go, we did that. Are you going to do it? Or are you going to do something better or worse? <laughs> that hits you a little bit different now. And, and I guess you can't do that if you only drop in once a year for a reunion or, or you, you show up every third year for a former player's party. You, you have to kind of invest along the way so that they see you around the program if you're going to be able to have that kind of a uh, – uh, the ability to to say when things aren't right. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the here's the other side of that though. Like, we got guys from all over, and you you guys know this. Like, it's it's not it's very expensive. So, you know, it's not nil like like our prime earning years. There was no nil, uh, so it's difficult for a guy who is living. I got a teammate lives in Virginia. It's expensive for him to fly to Las Vegas to go Sweet Sixteen, get a plane, get a Get a get a hotel and all that, and yeah. we'll fly to Fayetteville. And so, yes, you're right. You want to be around the program as much as possible. However, maybe, maybe with all the millions and billions of dollars that schools make off of uh, the backs of the old players, maybe they could give us a little uh, back pay. You know what I'm saying? So we can get to some of these games. <laughs> uh, how about that? Have a little back pay. I hear you. Uh, hey, I, I didn't really anticipate going down this road. We've got about a minute and a half left. I'm curious your reaction to the uh, to the Chris Beard hire that Ole Miss made. Uh, obviously, that's a hire that's got layers to it. And there's the basketball side and, and the other side. What was your reaction when, when it was announced or looked like that was going to happen? Well, I felt like he was going to get a job in the future. And I don't understand, like, you know, society puts a – like a time limit on things. I don't understand that. If somebody, um, clearly we know the whole story of, you know, the charges being dropped and what happened that night. Um, I don't know the in-depth details, so I can't speak on that. What I can speak on is he was going to get hired again. Who puts limits on when they're hireable and when they're not? I don't know. Nobody ever asked me. So I think Keith Carter said, I understand the situation. I know Chris Beard personally. He's been up front and honest. Who says we have to wait until a year? And, you know, he was aggressive and, and made a fantastic hire. Yeah. Razorbacks going to get it done against UConn? 30 seconds left. Yes, we got the size, athleticism, toughness, speed to match up with anybody. If we lose, it would be because we don't rebound. UConn's a fantastic offensive rebounding team. And the key for the Hogs, because we're not a great three-point shooting team, we got to get to the free throw line, make our free throws. Attack, attack, attack. Put the pressure on UConn, the Huskies, going down in Vegas. Pat, always appreciate your time. Great catching up. It's nice to talk to you for more than just like a 10-second blurb coming out of a break and a, and a toss back and forth to the studio. Look forward to seeing you soon, my friend. All right, Richard. Thanks, bro. It's Pat Bradley, college basketball analyst with the SEC Network and ESPN, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We'll be right back. 
Network. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thank you for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi, available to you at supertalk.fm, supertalk TV, and of course on your supertalk Mississippi radio stations. We'd love to hear from you. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business, backed by world class IT professionals. Who live where you do? That's right here in Ceasefire Country. Learn more online at ceasefire.com slash business. Couple of, uh, thoughts from you. Somebody said enjoyed that with Pat. I, I did too. I, I don't know. I wasn't sure where that interview was going and just kind of based on the way he answered some things, kind of went in a little bit different direction. Uh, interesting thoughts, I guess, on, uh, Chris Beard at, uh, Ole Miss. I kind of feel like everybody is in the, oh yeah, from a basketball standpoint, There's nothing to talk about here because it's an absolute home run. And then with the other parts of it, you know, different people have different opinions on that. So it's kind of uh, of where we are, I guess. Um, I was talking to a friend about that. You shouldn't mix your metaphors, though, Richard. You shouldn't mix your metaphors. It was a slam dunk, not a a home run. You're right. (laughs) You're right. Uh you know, football bats and whatnot. But I was talking to a friend about that. Cause, cause he <laughs> was had... it the 25-point rock and jock shot? You remember that? Do you re- yeah. Do. Do you remember yeah. the rock and jock on MTV? Yeah. Borky, do, you, do you have, like, even a little bit of a recollection of rock and jock? No, no idea chance. what you're talking about. MTV would do all-star game events where they would mix celebrities and musicians and then put it on, on television and... They would have weird stuff like a goal yeah. that was twenty feet in the air, where if you hit a shot from behind the three point line, it was worth ten points, or if you hit a half court shot on a fifteen foot goal, it was worth twenty five points or whatever. And so the scores would get crazy. And they did that with, I think they did like a softball thing, and they did a basketball did thing. Too, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't cool know if stuff. they ever did like touch football or anything, but yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Anyway. But yes, a slam dunk, nonetheless. You were talking with friends, Borky? Yeah, and he asked me, when are people going to stop bringing up what happened? And my answer was, you know, maybe never. Uh, Like, when the games happen, broadcasts are going to stop talking about it. Yeah. Uh, Local media is going to stop talking about it. I'm sure Pat Forty's going to write another column down the road. Let's pretend, let's just pretend, let's pretend next year that they make the tournament. Somebody like Pat Forty's going to write something. It's it's going to happen. So so that part is never going to go away. And I said, here's the thing, though that that story isn't going away. And it's also the reason why you were able to hire an elite level basketball coach. As hard as it is, if you can block that out, you've got what I mean. Bruce Pearl talked about it at length at the SEC tournament. I mean, you, you've got. All of these people in basketball that are saying that this guy will win and will win big almost right away at a place like Ole Miss that has done neither of those things. 
what are we, 23 years removed from their only Sweet 16 appearance? Isn't it 23 years? That was year 2000, right? I guess it was. Oh. Yeah. That's when Jason Harrison had the ill-fated words to Mateen Cleaves. So about whose house it was. Yeah, I, I, I kind of told him, I was like, basically just get thick skin well. because it, the, the story's probably never truly going away, but when basketball hits court, the person coaching your team is considered across the industry as, at conservative best, a top ten coach in the country. You, you know what? This may be a, an unpopular take, or maybe it's maybe we all are in agreement on it. I don't know. Um, there are a few people out there that, that genuinely care. Like when they write a column that is critical of Ole Miss or they, they detail the, um, uh, they go through all the details that are available through police reports and everything else. Like, like they, they feel like they are doing all that they can do. And then there are people, you mentioned Pat Forty a second ago. I actually listened to the uh, all the podcasts that Pat Forty and Dan Wetzel and, and Ross Dellinger do. I, I just kind of drop in from time to time and heard them talking about it. And I honestly think none of the three of those guys care. Now, that's not going to keep Pat Forty from dropping some one-liners and, and, and taking some not-so-veiled shots at Ole Miss. But I don't think deep down he cares. Like... If, if he writes something, it's solely for getting a reaction and trying to kind of hold the moral high ground. It's not because he actually cares, and they're all in agreement that he was going to be hired. Now, unlike what Pat Bradley said a second ago, who's the person that's supposed to determine what that arbitrary length of time you have to not work is? They're like, oh, I mean, all of two months, had to sit out. Well, should, should you not hire him? So that somebody else can hire him in eleven months? Or, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's it's complicated for sure. Uh, it, it is, but, but you're spot on. And, and this this applies to more than just Chris Beard. I mean, guys like Stuart Mandel, for example. I, I, he was hot about Ole Miss hiring Chris Beard, and because the the website Twitter is is at least in some facets, really good about you being able to see what people have said in the past about things. I just did a Franklin, James Franklin, Penn State search of everything he said on that website. Nothing. Not a thing. Um, For the overwhelming majority of media people, like you said, there are some that truly do care. There are some Ole Miss fans, and I've heard from them, that are still uncomfortable to this day about the message that it sends. And, And you can think those people are crazy or wrong, I've spoken to a, a female Ole Miss fan that really does not like it. And and she is genuine in that feeling. But media folks, they don't really care. They care about what the, the responses are when they are outraged. Yeah. That's what they care about. The overwhelming yeah. majority of them. In, in general. With all things. You, you think that Dennis Dodd really cared that the SEC and the Big Ten decided to play football in 2020? You think he really cared about that? Deep down was like, oh, oh. no, if they do this. No, I think he cared about writing columns and being on social media talking about, oh, it's so dangerous, oh, my gosh, because people either they reacted, and people like him thrive on the reaction. I think when the ball kicked off, 
Couldn't have cared less. Speaking of which, I saw somebody run an event at a track meet yesterday with a mask on. Outdoors. Ooh. That's kind of, yeah. That's got to be tough to do. Yeah, you would think, right? Yeah. I, I, man, you want to talk about people watching. A middle school track meet is, that's a pretty incredible space to uh, to watch people. Uh, I, I learned some things yesterday about the way that uh, track meets operate. Um, my oldest daughter is on the middle school track team for Oxford, and uh, it's proud of her. She finished second in the eight hundred yesterday, so that was that was really cool. Uh, even at the seventh and eighth grade age. You are starting to really now. I, look, I know ten-year-old baseball guy kids separate themselves, and then they don't three years down the line. But when you're talking about seventh and eighth graders who are running sprints and track stuff, you can start to really see athleticism. I mean, there were a couple of guys and a couple of girls that ran either like a three hundred meter hurdles or a hundred meter sprint, and I was like, "Holy cow!" There's a seventh grader that ran a 12 200 meter yesterday. And he finished second. <laughs> he finished second at 12 2. Wow. Dude, Dipping that is moving. moving. They better already be. Get him yeah. an NIL deal stat. There was a longer distance deal. I, 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 I think it was a like a 400 relay. So like a 4 by 400 and the anchor leg. I, I couldn't decide if this was a kid that didn't care, was genuinely cold, or knew he was that much better than everybody else, because he ran the anchor leg of the 4x400 in a hoodie, with the hoodie, like, tied around his head, and, and like, almost lapped people. He was that far ahead. I mean, he was, like, half a track ahead of everybody else, running in a hoodie, and I'm like... He's different. He's different. I want him on my football team somewhere down the line. I mean, I'm a track athlete, I know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe more observations from uh, from middle school track meets as we uh, we go along. Honestly, I would love for you to like take notes of the next one and just give us a rundown of everything you saw. That one cracked me up. Uh, yeah, they could have. Uh, Houston McDavid would have been an, a huge help yesterday. Huge help. Because he makes things work. And when you have, like, I don't know, 500 people spread out across a football field and the track and in the grandstands with a microphone that doesn't work to announce the next event, it really slows the pace <laughs> of the track meet down. I wish Houston had been there yesterday. Hey, let's talk some New Orleans Saints and some Mississippi Gulf Coast stuff with Hunter Dawkins from the Gazebo Gazette coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for being with us alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross, and we go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. A week or two ago, you uh, you heard this person for the very first time. We're happy to welcome Hunter Dawkins back. He is the uh, the writer and publisher of the Gazebo Gazette, which you can uh, read many of those stories Online at supertalk.fm as it pertains to the Saints and the Pelicans and things that are happening in South Mississippi. Hunter, good afternoon and welcome back. Thank you, Richard. I definitely appreciate it and I look forward to talking with you guys here. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So let's let's dive in with Saints stuff first right now. We are the NFL never really has a quiet time. But maybe we're in a little bit of that window as we've, we've made it through the combine and we're not quite into full draft preview mode yet. Get some offseason stuff happening. What, what are the Saints doing right now in terms of draft preparation, evaluating needs, and trying to figure out where to go? Well, it's funny that you say that about it being kind of a downtime. The Saints surely have not made it that much of a downtime, adding in seven guys, uh, free agency, and uh, having some guys uh, transferring or, you know, playing for other teams with their signing contracts with. And uh, they haven't messed around with too much as far as the draft goes with their draft picks or selections, but um, they're continually adding people every day um, myself and a number of the other uh, the local insiders and sports reporters, they uh, they kind of let me know. You know, we're not really sure where we're going. It's uh, it's more of a trying to fill the gap, which you would think that they would work on taking those selections to draft to fill those gaps. But instead, the Saints have, as of now, have pretty much tried to fill in every slot position that they have you know hunter because of what the saints have done in terms of roster manipulation and what they've done with with draft capital and picks and trading forward and trading back and all of those things mickey loomis is he's done a masterful job but something we thought with deuce McAllister about in the fact is that there's been like a, a kicking the can down the road philosophy like yeah we'll, we'll, we'll take care of that at some point when is that some point going to come where the, the Saints have a year where they really do have to pay the piper in terms of what they've got available to do in the draft and salary cap casualties and all of that good stuff? Is is this that year or maybe partially that year? Yes, sir. Actually, you know, I wrote about that uh, for Super Talk last week uh, when I said really what's What's the whole deal about it? Are we going to have a moment a year where we rebuild just from the, the start? But like you said about Mickey Loomis, he is, uh, he's very, he's very trying to get the right pieces and parts to fit that need. And indeed, it works for us because for the last 16 years, we've had a winning culture. However, this last year was, a little bit off base, but they're, they're in fills the slot with adding a quarterback like Derek Carr, and then we're just trying to feed in, restructure contracts, rework this, trying to bring in guys 
that are free agents that will take less money, but that are young. It's you would think is something of why don't we just have a year to rebuild, but instead we're just trying to kick the can down the road to build a winning status, which we have had before. Hunter, what are uh, when you look at and you wrote about this at. at also at supertalk.fm, you can you can check it out there. You look at the pick structure for the Saints of the draft. End of the first round, number 29. Pretty good spot in the second round at 40. Not a bad spot in the third round at, at 71. After that, I don't know if it matters as much where the picks are in, in each round. If you had to project those first two picks in particular, but maybe the first three picks, what do you think the target is based on needs? Defensive line and defensive end. We definitely need, and by end I mean an edge rusher. We definitely need a defensive lineman, even though we have added uh, quite a few here in the last few, few weeks. We are definitely in need of an, a defensive lineman and a defensive end. And uh, also, you know, a receiver and a tight end would be a little bit later on around the third round pick, maybe all the way pushing to a fifth round and later. But we would certainly need a defensive end edge rusher and a defensive lineman. That's what I think that the team is really looking for. However, there's also, in my mind, I certainly think that we need a linebacker because we're definitely a little bit not necessarily weak at that position. We're strong, but we need some depth. Yeah, And that's the important thing about the draft, especially for us and what the Saints have put in this platform is we want to have depth at these positions because, you know, we have the guys to fill the spots, but who do we have to back them up? Visiting with Hunter Dawkins, writes at the Gazebo Gazette. You can read much of his work online at supertalk.fm. Hunter you mentioned Derek Carr. We've talked about it a lot on the show. It's been the fan reaction, as you've encountered folks on the coast and in the greater New Orleans area. Derek Carr is the new quarterback of the Saints. What do people think? You know, it's been a very positive reaction as far as it goes from here because we didn't really for the last you know year and a half, we really have not had anything and the result to what has almost an expectation, whereas Derek has come out to where he has performed pretty well in, uh, when his teams are pretty solid. And uh, even though his record doesn't indicate that, a lot of that has to do with the teams that he has been involved with. He's had some great offensive teams, and he's been able to get playoff appearances. And that's generally what I think most of the, the fans see, that we have a Pro Bowl-level team. All we needed was the signal caller. And as it, almost all pundits predict and Vegas predicting, we're pretty much in line to win the NFC South. Hunter, it's great to catch up with you this afternoon. Keep up the good work. We'll uh, we'll stay in touch as well. Gazebo Gazette. You can read much of the sports stuff online at supertalk.fm. Hunter Dawkins on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Thank you, my man. Thank you, my friend. Take care of yourself. All right. We'll catch up soon. Hunter Dawkins joining us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. C Spire text line. That's how you can get in touch with us. 
601-879-4395. Visit them online at cspire.com. Familiar name just got signed by the Saints, by the way. Yeah? Jonathan yeah. Abram, who is... <clears throat> Uh, not exactly had a great start to his professional career, but as a a secondary piece under Dennis Allen, for all the joking about Dennis Allen and his head coaching, playing in the secondary under his leadership could be a really good thing for his career. If you can get a former first rounder on a one year deal, you should. You, usually, that's not a bad thing to have. Yeah. If it works out great, doesn't. Move on. How about the Chauncey thing, by the way? We haven't talked about that yet either. So hold, hold that thought. What, what what's the, the the likelihood of it does work out and the Saints look great in this deal with Jonathan Abram? I mean, we've seen Jonathan Abram play. We we've seen what he can do when he's at his best. Yeah. So I mean, you know it's there. You know that talent is there. It's just gonna be a question of, you know, if the Saints can 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 coax it out of him. Uh, his time in, in Las Vegas, and I guess he as far as that's part part of the time in Oakland as well. You know, you never you saw you saw some flashes here and there of what he brought to Mississippi State. Uh, we'll see if he can get it all out uh, there in New Orleans. Well, and and the other thing, right? I mean, they just signed Derek Carr. He's been a teammate. Do, yeah, do, yeah. do you think there was any conversation with Carr about? I mean, not like, hey, should we go get this guy or not? But hey, tell us a little bit more. As a teammate, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he's your now your franchise it's a quarterback. Resource. It's a resource. Why would you not use it? You know, I mean, I would imagine that happens with everybody. That you know, if you've got somebody in the locker room that knows them, former college teammates, whatever, you know, you, you have those conversations. It's clear Dennis Allen respects Derek Carr like on a personal level because I have a feeling if, um, let's just pretend that Jameis never gets hurt and he was great and he was still their quarterback. I don't think Mike Thomas would be on the team. That that was very much a Derek Carr met with Mike Thomas and went back to the Saints and said, "Hey, sign this guy, keep him around. I, I want him to play on this team." And they did it. We'll see where it all goes. It'll get here in a hurry, won't it? Yeah, it will. I mean, yeah. the draft is coming up soon. Yeah, we're draft's really a month close. away. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll wrap up the three o'clock hour when we come back, and then in the four o'clock hour. We'll chat with Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here. On Super Talk Mississippi. When is the last time that you found yourself genuinely nervous during a baseball game? In the month of March. Never. I mean, uh, 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 unless it's like, you know, Mississippi State or Ole Miss is playing somebody yeah, in an you, early you get, season if you get top State five Ole Miss early in a, Yeah, if you get State and Ole Miss playing each other early, you, you would definitely have that. But pro yeah, but, baseball would be the better qualifier. 
Well, but I don't even I don't even think that's it. Because if Ole Miss and Mississippi State happened to open conference play against each other, it'd be nerves. But it'd be games one, two, and three of thirty in league play. I mean, I get it. I understand what you're saying, but still, last night, World Baseball Classic Finals sold out Marlin Stadium or Lone Depot, whatever the name of that place is. Electric atmosphere. USA Japan. Trey Turner hits his fifth World Baseball Classic home run, which is the most ever by an American player in a career, much less a single single classic. Jumps out to a one nothing lead. Japan comes back, hits a solo shot. Merrill Kelly gets in trouble, loads the bases. They go to the bullpen. Guy does a really good job getting out of it with just one run allowed. So it's two to one Japan. After two innings, they had the they added the lead to make it three one. Kyle Schwarber hits a nuke bomb that may have dented someone's face in the second deck. That, John Small said on the broadcast that got out of here in like four and a half seconds, and Joe Davis goes, "I don't know if it took that long." I mean, rocket shot to make it a three two game to set up the most magnificent matchup you could draw up in the bottom of the top of the ninth inning. With the United States down 3-2, to two, they get the lead runner on. Great piece of hitting by Trey Turner. Terrible, terrible at bat by Mookie Betts. Terrible at bat by Mookie Betts. I, I want everybody to know that after Richard Cross talking about Team United States of America in a championship game, saying a player had a bat at bat, a United States player had a bat at bat, Brian Haydad fist-pumped because he was excited that an American in an international competition fist-pumped at our, the United States, the red, white, and blue, the stars and stripes, our country... I did of the I did sweet it. land of liberty. I did this thing that he's talking about. Brian Haydad fist pumped at our failure. Because a Dodger failed. I love to see it. You know the only reason I could get behind this because he's a former Red Sox, too. No. no. See, Richard, no. Do you guys do you guys fly the Yankees flag or the Giants flag above the American flag at your home? No, America first, baby. Okay, enough with all this crap. Mookie Betts, terrible at bat. Do anything. Crap. Don't roll into a ridiculous double play. I I understand that Shohei Otani's on the mound, and he might be the most physically gifted athlete on planet Earth right now. I understand that. You're a good player, too. Don't hit into the... Most tailor-made four-six-three double play in the history of the world, with a championship hanging in the balance. So instead of Mike Trout coming to the plate with a chance to give the United States the lead, it was simply to try and get it to extra innings. I was what, gripped. what, what a moment for baseball! Not for Major League Baseball, not for college baseball. Not for the World Baseball Classic. That was a moment for baseball, period. Baseball, Ray. 
Uh, yes. Well, ex- except for the Los hey, Angeles uh, Angels. Want to play a, key, play a catch? Want to have I'm a catch? That, that, yeah. that wasn't a good moment for them because the – I don't know. I mean, they're, they, they've had those two guys, and they stink out loud. That's not a good moment for yeah, them. Yeah, you're right. You're but, right. What an at-bat. I mean – Oh, man. I we was got correct. a great stat of the day coming up for you, coming up a little bit later. But nobody – I mean, people have talked for months about what if you got that matchup and then you got that matchup with a trophy hanging in the balance. Yeah. And it's fastball – Fastball, trying to get him on a 1-2, and Shohei Otani spikes a 102-mile-an-hour fastball in the right hand, the left-handed batter's box. So what does he do? Comes back with a cutter. I, I'm sorry. It was a slider that looked like a cutter in the bottom third of the zone at, what, 94? It was eighty nine. I, I watched the replay, but it the the movement was staggering, and he, you're going from expecting a hundred and getting eighty nine with that movement. It it, it just it, it's an impossible pitch to hit, considering what he saw earlier in the at bat. Impossible. It was incredible, man. It was incredible, and it's not like Trout got cheated on any of his three swings. Oh no! I mean, he went after him. He went after him. What a scene! Everything great except the winner. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, guys. What happened? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, 4 o'clock hour with you on this Wednesday. Good to be with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Time for us to go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball, d1baseball.com. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. If you have not subscribed to their website, you do not love college baseball. Or, or, or maybe you don't need to spend the money for whatever reason. I understand that. I'm not judging. Just telling you that the content is worth every single penny that you put into that. Kendall, uh, we almost had five sweeps in the opening weekend of conference play, which is a little insane to think about. No, it really is. I mean, I think if you look at opening weekend, I think if you would have told me that Missouri would sweep Tennessee, South Carolina would sweep Georgia, Mississippi State would get swept and Ole Miss would get swept. I think I'd be the most surprised person in the room. So I think it's going to be one of those years where, I mean, that league is so deep that, uh, you know, if you don't play at, a, at you know, a high level of baseball in a given weekend, you could very easily get swept. I, I just don't think there is a bad team in that league right now. So I did the uh, the Georgia-South Carolina game on TV, and um, Lance Cormier and, I, uh, Cormier and I were debating which performance on the mound was better. Was it Hunter Owen for Vanderbilt in his complete game shutout of Ole Miss or Brandon Sprout for Florida in his complete game shutout of Alabama? SEC named them co-pitchers of the week. Uh, I would go with probably Hunter Owen. Uh, I just think given just how potent 
uh, Ole Miss's lineup is, to be able to shut them down like that is ultra impressive. Uh, I would throw a, a man by the name of Paul Skeen that makes two for what he did against A&M. I, you know, I, honestly, I think he probably was in the mix for the Player of the Week award because he already won it like two or three times. But, I mean, that was as good a performance as I've seen on the mound against a good team in a really long time. It's kind of interesting. You know, Jim Schlossnagel uh, made the comment the other day, you know, after that game, that that was the best he seen since Steven Strasburg at San Diego State. And I'm not so sure I wouldn't argue with him. I mean, it was – as good as it can possibly get at the collegiate level. We talked about that on Monday. And, and I, you know, I mean, I mentioned you got two complete games and these are your co-SEC pitchers of the week, but I'm not so sure that the more impressive performance wasn't Skeens. I mean, he sat 97-98 for, for the entire length of his performance. The breaking ball is, I mean, it's a, a plus, if not a plus-plus pitch, then he throws in different locations. Yeah. He's throwing a 91-mile-an-hour changeup. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, I, so I, I will give him a little bit more credit because I was there, and actually on my gun, uh, it was 98 to 100 throughout. So he did not throw a pitch under 98 on my radar gun, at least for the first four innings. So, hmm. yeah, I mean, the, the thing about Paul is that, that's really made him a, such a more impressive pitcher than he was last year at Air Force is, you know, when you look back at last year, you look back at some of his old footage, you know, he had a big arm. Like he was up to, you know, 98, 99 last year with his fastball. But, you know, the, the slider wasn't as sharp, the changeup wasn't as sharp, and the big differentiator for him right now is that slider, as you just mentioned, uh, is a wipeout pitch. It is a pitch that, you know, I kind of go back to last weekend against A&M and against All-American Austin Bose. He goes 100, 99, 85 slider at the exact same spot. And I'll just say this, if you command that, like, that's, that's almost unhittable. Like, you pretty much just have to guess right to be able to get a hit. And the other thing I really like about him real quick is – like, he's one of those guys that, like, if somebody even makes contact off of him, he, he kind of takes it personal. So he's just in his zone right now. Yeah, and, and pitches with a lot of emotion. So no doubt. W- we've seen a ton of elite pitchers come through the SEC. But normally it's it's one per team, right? It's like most everybody's got an ace. Most everybody's got a stud. And I feel like we're in a spot where we are seeing multiple first-rounders on, like, Half a dozen teams in the SEC is—is is that crazy? It is crazy. You know, I kind of—it's kind of funny. I'll kind of invoke Ole Miss here. Is, you know, really, if you think about it, you know, there, there was a time frame there where, you know, if you think back to the rotation that Ole Miss had with you know Mark Holloman, Eric Fowler, and those guys, Stephen Head, like I mean, that was a—I mean, that was like one of the few rotations in college baseball that you could look at and go, hey, they've got like three top three round type of guys in the rotation. Now it's like you look across the whole league, as you mentioned, you know, you look at, you know, LSU with, you know, Ty Floyd and Thatcher Hurd, are very much, you know, top two or three rounders. You look at South Carolina with guys like Noah Hall and Will Sanders, you know, Vanderbilt, you know, with Hunter Owen and, and get, you know, those guys. Uh, and the list kind of goes on. It is crazy just how much talent is in this league. And, and frankly, it's, it's why, I mean, Hey, let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you. You heard it here first. Kendall Rogers has written off the Tennessee Volunteers. Well, no, I didn't say that. I just had you, know, you didn't mention them. You didn't mention Tennessee and that that uh, that group of great starting pitching staffs, Kendall. Well, well, they they belong in the mix. I was going to get to them. Vol they Twitter is coming way. for you, and there's <laughs> yeah. nothing you can do about it. Well, you know, it's it's really interesting. Like Chase Dolander, as good as he is. Like, he's been human this year. You know, Chase mm-hmm. Burns, you know, I actually watched his outing against Missouri the other day, 
he looked pretty good. And then, you know, Drew Beam's pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, they've got a great rotation, too. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of a team right now with, like, a really bad rotation. I mean, I get the, like, Ole Miss is at its up and down. So, I mean, heck, I still believe in that rotation, too. Maybe Mississippi State is, like, the one team in this league who doesn't really have an elite week of rotation. I'm not trying to be inflammatory when I say this. Uh, when I make this statement, I'm going to give you a true or false statement and then let you take it from there. And and I am, look, I mean, I'm the last guy, I promise you, that is trying to take anything away from what Mississippi State accomplished two years ago and yeah. what Ole Miss accomplished last year. True or false, it is now harder to win a regular season SEC championship than it is to win a national championship. True or false? I think it's. I think that's false. I mean, I, I just think. Regular I think season? In order. Well, I mean, my thing is, I think in order to win the national championship, you have to have so many things go your way. I mean, you think about all the the bounces and things like that that Ole Miss got on the on its way to a national championship last year. Like literally everything had to go right for them. Yeah. And I just I just think of the SEC. I mean, if you can get on a roll. Like you can win the regular season title, but I mean it's a legitimate question. But uh, you know, I, I know if I if I say you know, number one, I think it's t- tougher to win the national championship. But number two, even if I thought the other, I'm not sure, sure I'd say because you know it's going to end up on Twitter somewhere. <laughs> you might be uh, you might be onto something to this uh, there. Hey, let's talk quickly about uh, about this weekend. Sure. Vanderbilt in Starkville to take on Mississippi State Bulldogs fully with their back against the wall. Uh, Vanderbilt was maybe as impressive as they have been offensively yeah. the entire season last weekend. And, oh, by the way, they're pretty good on the mound. What, what, what's happening in Starkville? Well, yeah, no, I think Mississippi State gets, gets Vandy at the right time. Because I think if you look at Vanderbilt, this is a team that's probably riding really high after the old mystery. They probably mm. think they're a little bit better than maybe they are. But, you know, I think when you look at Vanderbilt overall, I mean, this is a club that when I saw them opening weekend, it was really a mixed bag. Like, one of the games, they didn't look very good. Um, the, the rest of the weekend, they looked pretty good. R.J. Austin's an exciting player. You know, on the mound, you know, Hunter Owen obviously is coming into his own a little bit. They've got depth on the mound. But I think this weekend is a lot more about Mississippi State than it is Vanderbilt. Um, I just think when you look at, at State, you know, after getting swept by Kentucky and, frankly, looking really bad in the process, uh, they've got to find a way to right the ship because the problem with this league is, you know, it's not like the ACC to where, like, you know, remember a couple of years ago when Virginia and NC State both started, like, two – it was something like two and twelve or two and eleven, and both teams like finished the year, you know, with forty plus wins. If you get in a big hole in this league, you are in massive trouble. And I just think when you look at Mississippi State, I'm not necessarily saying like it's a must win series, but I mean they can't afford to go zero and three. I mean they've got they've got to show some sort of improvement. But I, they're they're the hardest team in college baseball to figure out. Like I was watching the game in Kentucky, uh, the one they got run ruled. And, like, honestly, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Like, it was really, really bad baseball. And so, uh, I mean, I don't know what the answer is for them, but it's got to improve. Uh, and, and I don't really blame the fans for being pretty mad at this point. Florida and Ole Miss in Oxford. And this feels like a really, really big weekend for the Rebels. Yeah, that's a really big weekend for Ole Miss. I mean, again, you're you're 0-3 in the league. You're back home. I I do love the fact they're home this week. I think Florida. If you, I mean, if you look at Florida's schedule, it's extremely home based. As you might imagine, the Sunshine State. But uh, you know, they go on the road for the first time. 
And again, I have no doubt that the Ole Miss is going to score runs. I think after last weekend, I think that's an aberration. I think they just kind of caught Vanderbilt on a weird weekend. Their offense didn't do much. I think their offense will be fine. I think the big question mark for me is, you know, A, is Wyatt Lankford back for Florida uh, after a little situation a couple weeks ago? And B, uh, you know, can they keep guys like Josh Rivera down? Like, he's one of the big breakout players this year in college baseball. Ole Miss's rotation is going to have to give them solid starts. I, I think I actually like Ole Miss in the series at home, though. Uh, I think they're going to play really well. All right. It's a uh, big weekend coming up across the SEC. Kendall, always appreciate your time. Good catching up on this uh, this Wednesday, and we'll talk to you next week. You got it, buddy. Be good. Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball, D1Baseball.com. Joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Predicted Ole Miss to beat Florida in the series and said Mississippi State is catching Vanderbilt at the right time. We'll be back. Junction in the Grove and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Conversation there with Kendall Rogers, uh, I think, provided us some uh, some jumping off points for conversation uh, in the college baseball world. We need to get to what happened on the diamond last night and whether it means anything for Mississippi State and for Ole Miss. Both winners big in their uh, in their Tuesday night games. Only one midweek game for both teams this year. Mississippi State last night. No trouble at all with uh, with Arkansas State. They win sixteen to two. Is there a run rule in place for that one? Is that a seven inning? There oh. was not. Oh wow! Because that was fifteen to nothing through five. So you had yeah. to go the final four innings of two to one baseball. Yeah, but yeah. but not fast two to one baseball. Not really. I mean, you know, as a sixteen to two game goes, it, it wasn't. Ridiculous, but yeah, we we asked. I think I, I think we first asked at like seven nothing, and we we're like run rule, and they were, and the MSU people were like, uh, no, not tonight. Yeah, I'm sure those final two innings really were were super duper productive. I, yeah. They got they got some guys some at bats. They got some some young guys some innings. You know, they were able to get Aaron Nixon and Cole Cheatham back on the mound. You know, so they they're able to do some things at least. Yeah, uh, Ole Miss and. Arkansas Pine Bluff, really low scoring for a really long time. And when I say low scoring, I mean no scoring. Like through four innings. And then, boy howdy, Ole Miss with three in the bottom of the fifth, eight in the bottom of the sixth, run rule 11-1. to You could tell it took them a little bit to... I've had somebody. I've had somebody that, and, and I've had somebody tell me that. Oh, if you're a college hitter, you you should be able to adjust faster to bad pitching. It's like you don't get it. They, they see every weekend, they see high level pitching, 
all fall when they're doing inner squads, everything. And then they just played Vanderbilt, where they had a handful of lefties that were throwing in the 90s with great breaking stuff. And then they're playing Pine Bluff against a kid that can't throw an 80. And it takes you a second to like slow everything down and actually hit the ball when it's that much of a downgraded adjustment. Once they kind of woke up and figured it out, they mashed the ball over the yard and ended the game early. It... Yes, this was the sixth inning. Chatagne ground out. McCants, solo home run, pitching change. Will Furness double. Garrett Wood walk. Ethan Groff, three-run homer. Calvin Harris ground out. Gonzalez double. Alderman single to score Gonzalez. Calarco walk. Chatagne, three-run home run. McCants flies out. That's the, you know, what, uh, it's 10 guys to the plate in the inning, 11 guys to the plate in the inning, and eight runs on the board, and you get to go home early on a Tuesday night. So that's how it played out last night for Ole Miss. Must be nice. Do... To answer your question, do those mean anything? No. I mean, after an 0-4 week for Ole Miss and a really bad weekend for State, winning one comfortably probably feels good. But, like, in terms of baseball, like, are they playing better? Was last night an indicator? Absolutely not. Uh, I don't entirely agree with that. Zero percent that that means that they have turned a corner or changed or anything. Those are I didn't terrible. Say that. I didn't say that they turned but, a corner or, or they changed or anything. I said, does it mean anything? No. Other than well, I, internal I confidence. disagree with you on that. Um. I, I mean, I completely get the opinion, but I, I do disagree because Ole Miss had not hit the ball for three straight games. Like, they didn't hit it against Vanderbilt at all. And to see, what, five balls leave the yard? I know it's against terrible pitching. I think that matters. Baseball's so mental. These guys are basket cases sometimes. I'm not saying they're not mentally tough and mentally strong. But if you don't go out, I mean... It, it, well, right, so if Ole Miss wins that game 4-1 to one last night, ugh, ugh. But to kind of see a couple of innings blow up and you go, yeah, that's what it's supposed to look like. I think that might, and, and they didn't make an error either. They played clean after having the, the four-error game against Vanderbilt in the, what, first game of the series and just kind of playing so-so. And then for Mississippi State, I mean, 16 runs on 18 hits. I kind of get the impression from the tone that Chris Lamonis had when we talked with him on Monday that they had a fairly, shall we call it, spirited workout following the Kentucky series. Did did you guys kind of get that impression when we talked to him? Yeah. I mean, he said they'd spent half an hour on what? Controlling the running game? Yeah. That sucks in practice. That's I mean, that's oh, yeah. awful. Well, um, it's worse in the games when you can't stop it. Well, that's true. I mean, that's why you do it in practice, and you need engagement you when practice. you're going through that. Yeah. I, I don't know. Hey, Dad, you, you may completely agree with Borky and think I'm off base on this, and, and that's fine, too. I, I just... Well, it's good to win. You know, we, we make the, 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 the talk about basketball. Like, sometimes you just got to see the ball go in the net. 
Well, for hitters, maybe just seeing the ball land and get some hits. For pitchers, you know, Bradley Lofton, nine strikeouts, only two walks last night. You know, maybe that does you some good mentally, for sure, in terms of what it means, you know, for Mississippi State this weekend. I don't know that, you know, it's great to have some momentum. You didn't want to come in on a, a, you know, four-game losing streak. But I don't know what it means, big picture there. But for, for the, you know, just for the players, yeah, it's better to win than lose. It's better to get hits than strike out. It's better to pitch well than not. So all of those things worked in Mississippi State's favors last night, and, and Ole Miss's as well. Yeah. Look, I mean, I, I, I'm not making the argument that winning that game is the difference in getting into the postseason, that that's the spark that gets you going. Oh, we're talking about Arkansas State and, and Arkansas Pine Bluff, no offense intended. We have seen midweek games spark teams, Right. I mean, it was the Governor's Cup last year that kind of sparked Ole Miss. Yeah. Kind of got them going in the right direction. But that's a different type of midweek game than what we saw last night. True. Absolutely. Altogether different. Arkansas State. Arkansas State's a bad team. I would not schedule them, you know, in like late in the season. You might have to cancel that game. Okay. Well. RPI killer. I heard that somewhere before. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Possibly. So I'm interested to see what happens, by the way. Tommy Raffo being honored this weekend and inducted into the Ron Polk Ring of Honor. But they didn't do it last night. It's supposed to be this weekend. But Arkansas State is playing this weekend, so I don't know what's going on there. Maybe they filmed something with him, and they'll just play it on the Jumbotron. Polk's name is on the stadium, and he the Ring of Honor is his? It's the Ron Polk Ring of Honor, yes. That Although is... there are play people in there... I think there's some people in there, like the older, older, older players that didn't play for him, and obviously some of the newer ones too. Oh no, he, yeah, he's, he's just the, he's the guy that's on. How many stadiums have multiple marquee things named for non-donors? I don't know. Hmm. I wonder if in Tallahassee, if it's Mike Martin Field and the Mike Martin Ring of Honor. You don't remember our massive debate? Mike Martin was the linchpin in that. I, I thought, I that would, I thought I'm I would not get going, you with I'm that. I'm not going back down that road. I thought I would get you with that. that. Come on. No, I, 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 no, no, we're not going back down that road. Um, Borky, I don't disagree with your premise that, like, in the big picture it doesn't matter. But I don't think you can just throw away a midweek game, even if it is. I mean, Ole Miss lost some has lost through the years a bunch of those, but I mean, lost a really important one last year. Right? They, they, I mean, what did it cost them? Almost everything. Almost. Playing Arkansas State could have. I mean, they, yeah. they literally canceled that game to save their, their RPI. I mean, again, like I said before, I'm not saying that, like, you both kind of argued against something that I agree with there. Like, yeah, it, for a a team that just went 0-4, beating Pine Bluff last night probably felt pretty good from a confidence mm-hmm. perspective. But that uh, the offense isn't fixed now. Like, last night wasn't an indicator that, hey, they're going to start hitting the ball better. Because there's not a single pitcher for Pine Bluff that would ever throw one pitch for Florida. Not one. So... Yeah, they they mashed a bunch of guys that would never pitch in the SEC. We'll know if if they're better 
Friday. That That's when we'll know if the offense has settled in a little bit and started producing in conference play. Didn't... It might be Saturday, honestly. Sprout's really good. Yeah, true. <laughs> really good. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. We uh, we might have more spirited debate when we come back because we will re-examine the thing, the, the true false question that I threw at Kendall Rogers just a minute ago. And I disagree with what Kendall said. We'll see what you think when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Baseball has sent a fifth memo to teams clarifying clock rules. We'll get to that coming up in a bit because there is a particular item in that memo that is, (laughs) I think it's really, really funny. has nothing to do with the game. I guess it kind of has something to do with the game, but it's, it's funny. So that's coming up. I, I gave Kendall the true or false when we were talking earlier. Ceasefire text line, you can weigh in on this as well. 601-879-4395. You don't have to say true or false. We can, can hash it out. False. But, but the premise is true or false. It is harder now, this year. In 2023, it is more difficult to win the SEC baseball regular season than it is to win a national championship. True or false? And show your work. Uh, it's false. And I and what this we got a text that just sort of sums it up right here. It's it's you can have two bad games and still win the conference. If you have two bad games in the postseason, it's over. Okay. State State lost its first three games this this weekend. No question about that, right? But and I don't. I'm not saying that they will. I don't think that they will. But they, they could they easily turn that around. Right. They could easily turn that around and and win the SEC. In the postseason, they were eliminated on Saturday. Yeah. So that's it. You lose two games and it's over. Especially when you get to the College World Series and you and you're playing eight or seven other great teams. You know, I mean, it's one thing you get into a regional, and maybe you've got a couple of group of fives and a, you know, a fifth place team from a power five, and you know, it's not that big a deal. But super regionals and regional or in college world series, you're playing top teams that are hot at that time. That, that, that no, it's definitely easier to win the conference. True or false, Borky? Okay, trying to do quick math in my head. I'm not a math guy. You can. Win the SEC with what ten losses? Let's just say a twenty and ten team wins the Easily SEC. Easily seen. So years. you can yeah. lose a third of your games and still win the SEC. Mm-hmm. How many wins do you have to have to win the national championship? It's three in the regional, two in the super regional, so five, three mm-hmm. and two, three and two, ten. right? So ten total wins. 
Yeah. And you can lose twice. So out of 12 games that you play, you can lose twice, right? Well, you can lo- you can yeah. lose you can lose once in a regional, once in, once a, super in a super regional. regional. You could lose. You could lose four, four games, games in the four games. season and still win the national championship. Right. So the ratio of losses to games played is almost identical. Almost identical. Yeah. That, but yeah, I do think because of the slimmer margin for error, the inability to recover from one bad weekend makes winning a national championship more difficult. But. The the loss to win ratio is almost almost the same. You know, maybe the better question is getting to Omaha than winning a title. Maybe that's the better way yeah. to ask the question. But in it, reality, what 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 you're asking though is kind of true about everything. Is it easier to win the SEC in football or win the national title? Two years ago. The SEC champion didn't win the national title. Right. No, you know, I mean, it might yeah, yeah. legitimately be easier. In, you know, in basketball, the same way. If you're a one seed, your first game is against a 16. You should win that 99% of the time. Then you're playing an 8 or a 9. That's still 90%. You know, it's, yeah, you get to the Elite 8 before you really are playing a team that might be at your caliber. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. I guess I, I was thinking... I mean, the, the, the whole point of the question is to underscore what the SEC is. And you can be like, oh, come on, Richard, why are we rehashing that? We know the SEC is hard. It's at a different level than it's ever been. Like, I really think that when we look around the league this year, that it's at a different place. And to win... To, to win a regular season SEC title, you have to be the best team for 10 weeks, for two and a half months. Now, in reality, you only have to be the best team of two on individual weekends. And I'm sure there's like somebody stati- that would be like, you know, statistics actually tell you that, and I don't mean like baseball statistics, I mean like law of averages and Statistical analysis, yeah. that that kind of statistics. statistics. Statistics, yes. Yeah, like real statistics, not like box scores. Math. Yeah, yeah. Pro- probabilities. That's what I'm like. Laws of probabilities would tell you that actually it's. But in truth, you've got to be good for two and a half months for ten straight weekends. You've got to stay healthy. And what did Chris Lamonis tell us? Everybody remaining on our schedule in league play either is in the top 25 or has been in the top 25. Every week. When you get into the postseason. Yeah, if you're hosting a regional, it's a team that won their conference, and so it's a good team. But sometimes you get... At at most, you're only going to have two top 25 teams in your regional. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you get VCU. Although, this... Is kind of silly considering what happened last week. Ole Miss hosted a regional with Jacksonville State in their first game that they beat by 11 runs. Yeah, that weekend, Jacksonville State. Um, they had a good start or a righty that they, they shelled, but. 
Didn't Jacksonville State end up playing Boston College for the... No, that was Utah and Boston College, wasn't it? It was Utah and... Wasn't it Tulane that beat Ole Miss that year? I don't remember. Kind of run together. Yeah, they, they do. But the point is, it, you, you don't get Jacksonville State. Shut up, hey, Dad. In, uh, or I mean regionals BCU in general or, and remembering who was in it, not... <laughs> All those Ole Miss losses, they, they run together for you. I hear you. <laughs> I set myself up for that one. You did. You got to take that one. Yeah. I mean, Richard, you also have Ole Miss has never finished last in the SEC under Mike Bianco. I mean, just there's something right back for you. Did nine games last year. Didn't even get the second thumb. You know, mm-hmm. just putting that out there for you. All this divisiveness that you guys are bringing. I don't know. Just... Richard, we spent a lot of time talking about Saban. It's Borky's fault. Which, which, by the way, shout out to Alabama PR for getting their uh, local media and fans to eat up the idea. Because uh, Saban spoke to the basketball team today, and he totally wasn't taking a shot. See, Nick Saban, the most measured and meticulous football coach out there, totally just misspoke yet, uh, two days ago. Definitely did not take it. No, it's all good now because of PR he just picture. accidentally said there's no such thing as wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. You have to take personal responsibility for your actions. He accidentally said that? Yep, totally. And... and, and Anyway, well, so, now, uh, now, now, now there, there is a possibility. You remember that Nick Saban told us he didn't know when election day was. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, sure. possible. It's possible that Nick Saban knows nothing of the Brandon Miller story. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Just like he, he definitely didn't know that there was a presidential election going on for sure. Totally. Uh, well, I'm saying if he didn't know there was a presidential election going on, it's possible that he doesn't know anything about the Brandon Miller story at his university. Let's be honest. A guy in that tax bracket knows that there's a presidential election going on. (laughs) You're not that rich and and ignorant to what's going on there. But anyway, we we, we spent a good bit of time talking about that yesterday, and a state fan on the text line was like, you guys are just talking about this to avoid talking about Ole Miss getting swept this weekend. It's like, didn't your your team also get swept this weekend? I mean, wasn't it yesterday, Tuesday? When also, you talked a yes. lot about Saban? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do we do on Monday, guys? <laughs> Literally talk to Chris Limonis and Mike Bianco. Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah well. So I, I did something I don't usually do. I just reminded him that they also got swept by a worse team and won nine conference games the year prior. Just, you know. If you're going to accuse us of deflecting away from bad Ole Miss games, don't do it on the same weekend your team got beat by how many runs in Game 3 against Kentucky? You know, pick and choose your battles when it comes to stuff like that. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. You can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. We've got more coming up with you. We will wrap up the 4 o'clock hour after a quick timeout. We remind you that Sports Talk is brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. Find them online at mtradepark.com. Whether you're looking for uh, youth baseball, fast pitch, or soccer tournaments this spring and summer, you can find it. Go to the events page at M-Trade Park. Uh, turf infields, natural grass outfields, weather not an issue unless there's lightning. New amenities are being added every single year. The soccer fields are in absolutely pristine condition. 
If you're going to play, play M-Trade, mtradepark.com. We will be right back. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, you can join Middays with Gerard Gibbard as he broadcasts live at the Communiversity this Tuesday. He'll tell you about the Lowndes County Job Fair in conjunction with the Governor's Job Fair Network. That's Middays with Gerard. Um, wait, is that next Tuesday? Or is that yesterday? It's got to be next Tuesday. Yeah, next Tuesday. Communiversity. At uh, Lowndes County Job Fair. It says midday's remote on Tuesday, but since today's Wednesday, it's got to be next Tuesday. You guys are no help Let's whatsoever. Hope. You are just leaving me to sway in the wind all by my lonesome on this. I'm That's looking. Fine. We're, it it is next Tuesday. Yeah, yesterday's show was just a normal, normal show. Wonderful. Wonderful. From what I can tell from our emails. Hey, you know what else is coming up? Country music superstar Morgan Wallen. He's coming to Oxford, and Super Talk Mississippi is giving you a chance to win tickets. Enter your name at one of the registration boxes located throughout the state. For example, you can register to win tickets by going to Watts Brothers in Columbia, Hamilton Nutrition in Hamilton, or at the Big Play Family Fun Center in Biloxi. There are many more places as well. For the full list of places that you can register to win, go to Supertalk. .fm slash Morgan Wallen. Winners will get two sweet seat tickets to see Morgan Wallen at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium Sunday, April 23rd. It's all brought to you by First South Farm Credit, King's Daughters Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. We haven't really talked. It'd be kind of weird, weird if Hamilton Nutrition was in Tupelo. I was wondering if you were going to do that. It's almost like that's a bit for you or something. I had to do it, yeah. I had to do it. <laughs> kind of weird if that's where Hamilton Nutrition were, but it's not. Yeah. It is not. You were yeah. saying, Michael? Uh, so the the conversation ended because of guests and whatnot, but we haven't really talked about in depth Otani and Trout last night. Like, when we talked about Otani before, I use the word spectacle. I don't like that I use that word because spectacle implies like it's a show with spotlights and and he's just like kind of like a a thing, like a dinosaur or something that we've never seen before. His game is so much deeper than that. He doesn't just throw really fast. He throws really fast and it has movement and he locates. And he's got an incredible breaking ball on top of that. And he goes deep into ball games. He doesn't just hit towering home runs. He hits for average, too. He hit, what, what did he hit, like four-something in the World Baseball Classic? So he's not just a guy that hits home runs. He's a guy that hits home runs, and he's hard to strike out, and, and he hits for average. And when you put him in the field, he's an exceptional outfielder. He's a good base dealer. You guys are are deeper into Major League Baseball than I am. But tell me in my lifetime if there's ever been a player like him. No. And there so play, there hasn't been a player like him in 100 oh, years. Oh no. He's he is our no. generation's Babe Ruth. 
He is. And so watching him do that against a teammate Mike Trout last night, even though it was against America, was watching a legend. In last night was watching a legend. And and what I hope baseball does because say what you want about LeBron James, he's everywhere. LeBron is everywhere. You can't stop you can't not see LeBron everywhere. I know he just retired, but you can't not see Brady everywhere. And there's a language barrier. Now he's learning English and he can speak some English, but get Otani everywhere. Get him everywhere. Billboards, commercials, podcasts. Every, get him everywhere, because I don't think the public at large realizes how special of an athlete he is. Because you said 100 years. And I don't think anybody could truly argue against you that he is the most unique, special, talented, great, whatever word you want to use, baseball player, in a century. Mm-hmm. He needs to be blasted everywhere. Because I don't know if the the sports fan at large, baseball fans get it, but the average sports fan, I don't think they quite understand how special he is. So in a, in a five-year window, Joey Otani has played five seasons in the big leagues. His first two years, at ages 23 and 24, he played 104 and 106 games. The COVID year, 2020, he played in 44 games in that shortened season. He's played 155 and 157 the last two years. There are only 162 games in the regular season, and by the way, that's the total number of games that the Angels play. There no, there's no extra <laughs> postseason. So two years ago, Shohei Otani, who is a two-way player, played in 155 of 162 games, and last year he played in 157 of 162. Take that, load management. Yeah. By the way, Almost half of his hits are extra base hits. In five years in the big leagues, he has 530 hits. 103 doubles, 21 triples, 127 home runs. That's 251 of his 530 hits are extra base hits. And, oh, by the way, if you watched that game last night, He went home to first in 4.16. Yeah. He's one of the fastest players in Major League Baseball. At 6.4 to 10. Hmm. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon as we roll into the 5 o'clock hour. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. You can also find them in men's specialty stores all across the state of Mississippi. Their spring collection has arrived Great new colors, great new patterns, some uh, fabrics that you love. If you like the uh, the Burr Chill fabric, which is their lightweight performance fabric, 
You can uh, get that in a number of prints. You're going to love it. And if you haven't ever tried their shorts, I would highly recommend them. They are comfortable. They're roomy enough, but they're not like baggy either. Uh, you're just gonna you're gonna really really like them. So whether it's golf shirts, outerwear, pullovers, shorts, pants, whatever it is you're looking for, they've got you covered at Genteel Apparel. Apparel Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for joining us this afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Put your Genteel Apparel golf shirt on and feel great at the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club where you can book your tea time online or plan your trip at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Dancing Rabbit, part of Pearl River Resort. Oh, that was a pregnant pause because I was going to say something before we got to the college football fix, but we could go ahead and go to that. That's fine. We can keep up the Otani talk, uh, talk if you want. I had a friend text me about it, too, and uh, he said Major League Baseball is failing Otani, and are they? I guess would be my question that we can we can talk about if you want. Are are they actually failing themselves really by how they've handled him to this point? He's not spoken English, and that's, that's a problem. And look, I mean, there are people that are like, "Oh, you can't say that." Well, yeah, I just did. Stephen A. Smith got in big trouble for saying that. Yeah, I know, but he was right. And 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 kudos to Shohei Otani if he is indeed working on his. It doesn't have to be mastery; he's got to be able to communicate. It's not to say he can't be famous. It's not to say he can't be the face of the game, but he can't communicate to the masses without the ability to speak the native tongue of the country in which he lives. Yeah. Apparently, he can also, according to Google, speak Spanish. Uh, some, and he uses a translator because he, he's, he's not fluent in English and, and doesn't want to screw up. And so speaking Japanese through a translator will always have him speaking correctly. Uh, but apparently he knows some Spanish, too, because in Major League clubhouses, you've got some native Spanish speakers, and he wants to, to be able to converse with them. I think the bigger issue, though, Tani, is that he plays for a team that's not going to play in the playoffs and might be on national TV three times this year. I mean, I, I can literally probably count on two hands the number of times I've watched Mike Trout hit a baseball. Because the Angels are just never on TV. You know? and, and you're not going to seek it out. So, I don't, yeah, from, no. So, I mean, I think this is his last year under contract with the Angels, and he'll be a free agent next year. You know, obviously MLB can't collude and try to get him to a big market, but somebody needs to be in his ear like, you got, you got to get out of Anaheim. And and so those options are what? I mean, there are two teams in New LA, York. L.A., New York, S- Chicago, San Fran. Boston. Boston Warriors. Yeah, Boston. Okay, okay. So, but, but let me let me push past that just for a second. But beyond those obvious major markets, because baseball is unique in that it's national, but it's local. Yeah. What about Shelly Otani in Atlanta? Does that work? Woo. I mean, well, I it works to, for that team. We'll make sure we have Ben Ingram on. The, we'll make sure we have Ben Ingram on the show the day that signing is made official. We what about, Shil- about Shelly Otani in St. Louis? St. Louis, I was just thinking because that's. I mean, the Cardinals are a national brand. There are Cardinal fans everywhere. There are Braves fans everywhere. 
Yeah. What about Otani in Houston? Now we're pushing. I mean, I really look that the, the Japan Astros, uniform you know, looked way too much like the Houston Astros uniform for my life. It did. It did. Uh, I heard them what, banging a trash okay, can. Okay. What? What about? What about Shohei Otani with the Texas Rangers? No. No. That that no. one. No. No, you haven't done anything then. I mean, Texas Rangers and, and the Anaheim Angels are the same thing. I disagree. I Like, I hear what you're saying. I actually think the Rangers franchise is on its way up. They have quietly put together a really good farm system. They've got some nice pieces. But I hear you, right? I mean, that that's not the market that Major League Baseball is going to be like, yes, that is where we wanted him. If they got yeah. to choose, if Rob Manfred got to pick where he went, if he pulled a David Stern and forced players to go certain places, um, where would he force him? Where would he the make Mets. him go? The Mets. Uh, I'm going to say the Cubs. Feels like that would be a good one. And the reason I say the Cubs is if you do that, you have Aaron Judge in New York. You have a superstar. Not, yeah. I mean, and, and, and other massive names, but Aaron Judge is a superstar with the Yankees. The Mets, I mean, the moves they made this offseason, good grief. Yeah. You have a superstar in L.A. with Betts. You got Mookie Betts in Los Angeles. I don't know if he has the same star power. Yeah. And, and so there's a long gap between the East Coast and the West Coast. And I'm not saying that Chicago's exactly the halfway point, but that is middle America with a well-known franchise that is loved, that has a big but fan base, that has a big does he, following. Does he elevate them into the playoffs? That's not a good team right now. They've, they've, no, they're they've bad dropped right a lot now. of guys. You're right. Yeah. It's a, like, it's that's a good starting point. to be looking at that, too. Need somebody to take on the, the Dodgers. That's what they, they they need to think about it in that. Well, then Otani probably needs to go to New York. No, I don't say it. I know what you're about to say. I know the words that are about to come out of your mouth. Don't don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Super team. You're going to say San Diego. You're going to say San Diego. No, no. I say compete with Ooh. the Dodgers. Ooh. No, Ooh. you need you need him out of the West Coast. Got oh, got to get yeah. him this way. He, he, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, honestly. I mean, say what you want to about East Coast bias, West Coast bias, blah, blah, blah. He will be seen by more people if he plays on the East Coast. Fact. That's true. He, he just will. There's no, there's no getting around that. Yeah. Even if you have the ability to watch Angels games, which so, good luck. Um, they're starting, if you're a little kid that lives in Atlanta. 10 o'clock. I mean, late. They start at yeah. 10. Yeah. Do you, so then do you put him in Boston to go head-to-head with Judge? No, you put him in. New I mean, York. you don't. You, you put don't. Him in New but... York. Would every so how many teams would be willing to pay him the half a billion be... dollars? I just he spoke that worth? into existence for you, Richard. <laughs> I mean, how many, would how many teams? Eight. I just wish it was George Steinbrenner instead of his son. Yeah, I mean the, oh, George, the Mets George owner Marty sounds like deal done. The Mets are team. The Yankees and the Red Sox. The Dodgers and the Giants will be in in the mix. The Cubs will probably make an inquiry. The Cardinals will make an inquiry. Roger Clemens is in George Steinbrenner's box. <laughs> you gotta go back and listen to the Susan Waldman clip every so often. <laughs> Just 
Uh, God. Oh, I mean, it's it's the Mets. It's Steve Cohen. He's worth $13 billion, and he doesn't care to spend it. Like, he doesn't care if he spends it. Not like, yeah. I would yeah. prefer not to spend he it. I don't spend care it. to spend the money. He's yeah. like, I don't want to win. Yeah. And he doesn't care about the luxury tax either. Now, is, is that yeah. in perpetuity? I, I don't know. If it means Otani, then yes. He wants to win a World Series, so he's going to do what he's got to do to do that. Hey, okay, hey, Shelly, here's what I want you to do. Like, I want you to go talk to everybody. Like, if, if I'm Steve Cohen, this is what I say. I just call him up early. I'm like, hey, thanks for taking the call. Here, here's what I want you to do. I want to talk to you last, okay? Go talk to the Yankees. Go talk to the Dodgers. Go talk to the Cubs. Take your agent. Don't take your agent. Bring your translator. I don't care. Go talk to everybody else first. And then when you're done, we'll sit down. Okay? Are we good? Are we good? And so he comes back and he's got, well, I mean, I've got this 10-year, $430 million contract offer from the Cubs. And I've got 12 now for 480. you've got a 10-year, $500 million. Yeah. I, I was going to say, i got 12 for 480 with the Yankees. And the Dodgers have offered 8 for 400. And, you know, average annual... I said, thanks for sharing all that with me. Are you done talking? Because I'm going to pay you $500 million over the next 10 years. I'm going to pay you $50 million, and it's 90% guaranteed. We'll do a $100 million signing bonus, and then I'll pay you $40 million a year afterward. Done? That's why you buy a team if you're a mega billionaire. That's why you do it. It's just fun. Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Gathered in their masses, just like witches at black masses. Welcome back. Thanks for being with us, Sports Talk Mississippi, on this Wednesday afternoon alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. You can be a part of the conversation on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. Mike sends us a message, says, uh, Hey guys, uh, listen to you pretty regularly and enjoy it. Listening to the conversation about the World Baseball Classic game last night. How about giving uh, Lance Barksdale some props? He was the home plate umpire and the crew chief. He's a South Jackson boy. His strike zone was really good last night, too. Lance Barksdale's a good umpire. We've got several people that have Mississippi ties that are uh, Major League Baseball umpires. It's awesome. Uh, we forgot to do the stat of the day. You ready for this? So Mike Trout caught a little bit of heat last night for uh, apparently folding in a big moment where he saw 
fastballs that were 100 miles an hour with movement for the first two strikes that he swung and missed at. Barely missed that second one. Oh, man. Uh, I bet he would love to have that pitch back. But then he gets met with an 89-mile-an-hour slider that moves like it was thrown by an alien. I mean, just movement that is nearly impossible to hit, especially when you're sitting and waiting for 100. So people were giving him, oh, see, that's what Mike Trout looks like in big moments when he hit 400 in the World Baseball Classic. But anyway, for perspective on that, Mike Trout has had 6,174 major league at-bats. 6,174 major league at-bats. Only 24 times has he swung and missed at three pitches in an at-bat. Steph Curry is three times more likely to miss consecutive free throws than that. That's remarkable. But but think about it this way. Orky, that's at-bats. That's not even plate appearances. If, if you're not a baseball nerd, I, please. The, the, the difference is... If you walk or you get hit by a pitch, it doesn't count as an at-bat. It's a plate appearance, but it's not an official at-bat. So I butchered the language. It is plate appearances. 6,174 plate appearances. 24 times in 6,174 plate appearances. That's pretty good. That's pretty darn good for Mike Trout. But he swung and missed uh, swung and missed three times last night. Wow. Hey, I told you guys about it. We'll get to the college football fix after this. Major League Baseball is making slight changes to its new pitch clock rules. It's the fifth clarification memo, according to Jeff Passan, that has been sent uh, by the league this spring. Uh, this is based on feedback from the players. And just a, a few issues to address. And, and by the way, pitch clock violations from the first week of spring training to now have dropped from 2.03 per game to 1.03 per game. I'm just going to be honest. I don't really care about all this other stuff. You can you can read all about this on your own. One of the new standards, though. Hey, Dad, you paying attention? This is important. New standards will be enforced for bat boys and bat girls whose ability to quickly retrieve equipment will help efforts to speed up the game, according to the memo. The league, Major League Baseball, will evaluate the performances of bat boys and bat girls and could ask teams to replace them if their performance is considered substandard. We're going to cut... The Bat Boys, the eight-year-old kid whose dream is to sit on a major league oh. field and be the Bat Boy for his favorite team. Sorry, Johnny, you're too tubby, and you can't get out to the bat. <laughs> we, we, we we clocked you. We clocked you from the the, the on-deck circle to the plate, 3.2 seconds. you got to shave a half second off that or you're out. What are we doing here? You either get your hind end re, in re, uh, your, <laughs> You either get your hind say. end in gear, or let your rear hit the road. 
Yeah. We don't we don't tolerate that kind of performance here in this organization. And automation is destroying everything. We're gonna have robots getting bats from from here on out. I, I mean, I'm just I'm reading through this article. They should the just use dogs. Dogs are quick. They'll get they'll get the bats. Yeah, but the slobber. I mean, malfunction is a hey, pitch com like units are addressed. Uh, brush back pitches and big swings where equipment comes off are addressed. Pitchers having to back plays up or cover first base are addressed. Leniency for catchers when they're either on base or the last person to bat in an inning. All of this stuff, all this baseball stuff is addressed. And then it's like bat boys and bat girls. If their performance is substandard, teams could be asked to replace them. Could you imagine the heartbreak on a nine-year-old oh, boy when you tell him that he can't be the Bat Boy anymore? We're sending you down. You're going, to, you're going to our AAA that, affiliate. I don't Get know better. that Major League Baseball does that with kids anymore. I mean, if you watch yeah. games, it's now like teenagers who are... Still. Yeah. Maybe some young adults, even. Yeah, that boy has been designated for assignment. Um, never mind, I won't. That is I the most just, baseball thing ever. I was just we were going to change it to uh, to bat people. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was just curious about pronouns. So that, All right, let's so that get to the happens, college football fix, and then, let's do it. <laughs> three minute college football fix. Let's go. That's fine. Oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't get out of the pronoun joke quickly enough. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive the F-150 F-Series, by the way, is uh, the best-selling truck in America for 46 straight years. Or get behind the wheel of a brand-new Super Duty, the all-new Super Duty, and more. It's your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Uh, there's a new dog, and not just any dog. Tell us more. Bully twenty two. Yes, the, the new dog. So, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to give you guys a little inside story here. Did Jack then, get yeah, sent to the right. house? Jack was is his retiring. Per, was his performance substandard? No, he's been well, he's been I bully mean, for eight. He's a bully for eight years. Time to time to retire and enjoy life. Eight years and dog years. He's been bullied for fifty six years. Right? It's a long time. So Dak is the new bulldog. Dak. So we've gone from Jack to Dak. Dak. He's Dak probably busy in the fall. This is no. This is, this is a bulldog, an actual bulldog oh, named oh. Dak. Oh, okay. Because so, that. So this dog was at a ba- a basketball game. Mm-hmm. And one of the members of the media took a picture and then was like, that's that's not Jack. And they were like, and we we're just getting them used to the crowds, basically. <laughs> so they were trying to like try to Ooh. try to keep it keep it under wraps there. Uh, he will be officially uh, installed as the mascot Super Bulldog weekend. Uh, and uh, the, the like you said, the 22nd bully uh, from Mississippi State, all of which, by the way, better looking than Ugga. Ugga is an ugly dog. Yeah, I was thinking about the best dog mascots in college football, and I think that Ugga is only in front of Reveille. In terms of 
In terms of if, I, if terms I would of, rank like, them, I, I think I would have. You just hate Texas A&M. No, Rivley's a great dog. It's Lassie, man. Rivley's a great dog. Oh, but Beautiful Lassie dog. didn't do anything for me. That was before my time. I mean, all dogs are Smokey. awesome. Smokey, you see, Smokey. So Smokey's my number two. Round. I love because I love those dogs and the way they look. My number one's a tie. Mm-hmm. The NIU and Washington Huskies. Those dogs mm-hmm. rule, and they're so good looking, good dogs. man. They're, they're good dogs. They're good Those dogs. are my number one, Tennessee two, and the list goes on from there. All right. Mm-hmm. Bully, a much better looking dog, though, year 100%. in, year out, than Ugga. Ugga is a, not an attractive dog. Wins a lot more, but is not an attractive dog. It, it looks like he's just miserable every time you see him. He just They always show him on that sack of ice in his doghouse, yeah. and he's just like, I would pay money to get out of this stadium. Yeah. I picture him talking like, uh, "Oh God, I can't say, I can't think of his name." Who's the announcer? Larry Munson. Larry Munson. Just, yeah. I would hit someone with a hobnail boot if I could get out of here. It's one of my favorite pictures of all time, right there. That's Obi with Smokey on the sidelines awesome. in Knoxville a couple of years ago. Got them all wrapped up. Is that well, holding a mustard bottle? What's going on there? Yeah. How about the people photobombing in the background? That was the best part. <laughs> we'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. How many bat boys will get in the way of a play at the plate? That doesn't happen very often. I don't remember one. Yeah. Nearly had a, what, like a little three-year-old kid killed in 2002 when Dusty Baker's son was out there. <laughs> oh, Snow had to yeah, snatch him. Yeah, yeah and now yeah. he's, uh, who's he playing for? He's yeah. He's, he plays. He plays professional baseball. He's on. He was. He played who. against his dad in spring training. Yeah. Somebody sends his message that says "robot dogs." <laughs> James and Hattie's now we've gone today's too far. moves by the Braves. Bat boys sent to Gwinnett. Yeah. You could see the big the big league bat boy here in uh, in Pearl. You know, if if, if he's not Ooh, if he's not doing the job. Yeah. Either either on the ascent or the descent, or perhaps how, rehab ascent. How does that work? Like do you have to uh do you have to like do your school makeup work and they just send it with you like hey I'm gonna be out of school for a couple of months I got sent down well a lot of the sum- the season is in the summer that's Buddy true but still in the postseason play I mean you know when it when it matters you know you'd be getting the midterms in the fall then yeah Buddy in the Iberville I saw a dog doing Bat Boy stuff okay yeah I like the the dogs picking up the kickoff tee too. Yes. Ooh. That's ooh, good stuff. A, a dissenting good opinion. Stuff. Not a fan mm. of the name of the new bully, honestly. Too similar to the last dog and too corny with Dak. Name the dog Dak. It's, 
it's their dog. Well, is it, yeah, all right. A similar thing happened at Ole Miss, where I guess the University Foundation they named also the bear got what? a lab, and they named that lab Manning. And it's like you guys know that the Mannings are not the only people that have attended and done good things at the university, right? Like, I, don't get me wrong, done great yeah. stuff. Super Bowl winner, all that. Like the Manning family is, they're, they're very important to college football and they're very important to Ole Miss. But they are not <laughs> the only thing that has ever happened there. That's like, can't you name the dog something else? Is there anything else that you can name that dog? Especially when there's going to be a Manning that's going to play against you I mean, in that town, like next year. <laughs> you know, I, I, don't grab onto the. I wonder uh, to something like that. Expand a little. How many bulldogs in the state of Mississippi, like actual bulldogs, are named Dak? A thousand? Two thousand? Probably a bunch. Hmm. We only have we have one thing that is kind of halfway named after a former player. Um last last summer. Remember, not this past fall, but the fall before Obi shot his first deer. And we got it mounted. And last summer, I went and picked it up and hung it while he was gone for the day or whatever above his bed. And he came home, and he was in awe of it and whatever. And he said, I want to name it. I was like, okay. He named it Elko. Oh, yeah. That's not bad. It's not a bad deer head name. So, although I, I wonder, I'm sure Tim would appreciate it, but also like, okay, the animal you killed, you named after me. Yeah, well, <laughs> you shoot it in the knee, the the dead one. Hey, Dad. <laughs> hey, Dad. No, no, he didn't. <laughs> the thing is, though, if if the deer's modeled after Elko and got shot in the knee, deer would have taken off, and you never would have seen it again. Never seen it again. Yeah. Yeah. Been the best deer on one knee you ever saw. Um, New Orleans beat Southern Miss in baseball last night. Right, New Orleans is not a bad team this year. That's their their twelfth win of the season. They improved to twelve and nine. Southern Miss falls to twelve thirty five on Valley in one game. UNO did. Yeah, the game after that terrible call. The next day they they beat them like thirty five oh, to five or something. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, forget about that. Um, how concerned should Southern Miss fans be right now? Like we did the we we did the thing earlier where Ole Miss wins big against Pine Bluff, State wins big against Arkansas State, and I feel like regardless of of which side of that mild debate we had, you fall on as to whether or not those games mean anything or don't mean anything. They were wins. When it's a loss, the conversation is is different. Now, if you are into the second week of May and you're 39-7 and with an RPI of three and you lose a midweek game to fill in the blank, does it matter? No, it doesn't. Your body of work speaks for itself. But when you're about a third of the way through the season 
and things aren't going as well as you would like them to, and then you drop a road midweek contest to UNO, it feels like that maybe raises the antenna a little bit. Yeah. I mean, you look at Southern Miss and what they've done so far, and they lose two to Illinois. I don't know where Illinois is going to end up RPI-wise. They lose to State, who right now I think is 50. That's not. I don't know where that's going to go. They've got a loss to Valpo. They lose the two to Texas State, and now you. I mean, hosting is is slipping away. Uh, it's it's slipping away from Southern Miss right now. And right now they they would be on the road. So I mean, and that's assuming they make postseason because they've got worked. I mean, twelve and eight right, right now, now is not a great right record to have. Mississippi State is twelve and eight. And right now, neither of those teams would be postseason teams. No, absolutely not. As no. it stands today, so absolutely not. So Southern Miss is. I mean, they're in worry mode, I would I would think. You know, I'm sure we'll talk to Luke before the end of the week, but I would say if you're a Southern Miss fan, yeah, you, you, you should be concerned with what's going on. State at 51 in the RPI right now. Ole Miss at 58. Both have got some work to do, by yeah, the way, which, again, it's going to sort itself Those will take care out, of themselves. But... Right. We, we are getting closer to the time of year where the movement starts to be a little more subtle, a little less yeah. huge yeah. peaks and valleys in terms of where you I are mean, on the RPI front. State's at 51. If they had switched it around and they had swept Kentucky last week, and they're probably in the in the 39 to 42 range. Yeah. The the same with Ole Miss. If, they had gone to Van- if Ole Miss had gone to Vandy and swept... They might even be higher than that because I'm sure Vandy's in the top ten. Vandy is number and ten. Florida this weekend. Yeah, they, is they would probably be. They'd probably be like in the low thirties, thirty-one, thirty-two. So, yeah. LSU two, Kentucky four. Who's one? UCLA. Wake Forest. UCLA. UCLA. Okay. Uh, Wake Forest is eighteen. Okay. Because their strength of schedule is 97. I got you. There are a lot of people out there right now that want to beat up on you if you don't give Wake Forest its due, and that's okay. We need to see a little bit more. They're a good team. Yeah, they're yeah. a good team, but you know they they haven't you know just come out and been super impressive. They're, but they, they're certainly a talented team. They're going to win a lot of games. To this point in the season, most difficult schedule in all of college baseball, the Oregon Ducks. Number two, Indiana State. Hmm. Sycamores, they, you know, they don't back down from anybody. Florida State, three. Elon, They've already played Florida like three times or something. Yeah, Elon's four. Okay. You need to worry about Twitter and not baseball. Yeah, speaking of Oregon, did you see their basketball coach last night? <laughs> I got it. I did. I did, by the way. Dana Altman, a little salty with the Oregon yeah. fans. Uh, I mean, we. Look at the NIT, Bob. He was hot because only 3,300 fans showed up to an NIT game. He said, if it's me, fire me. You got the quote. Yeah. Be careful what you say, though, right? Yeah. Um, 
Oregon's loss to Wisconsin was sparsely attended with a reported 3,300, which sent Dana Altman off on a rant. Quote, that goes into the evaluation when asked if there were enough people. What are we not giving our players? What are we not doing as a staff? If that means more people, then I'll go to Oregon Athletic Director Rob Mullins and beg. You see the commitment Wisconsin makes? They have their cheerleaders, their band. We make a commitment, don't get me wrong here, but you can see how important it is. It was important to them. It was important to me. What the heck? We should have had more people here tonight. These guys play hard, okay? 3,300? It's not good enough. If it's me, then get rid of me. If you need somebody else to be a promoter, do something. But 3,300 people is embarrassing. It really is. I'm not in a very good mood. You can tell that. If it's me, then make the change. Make the change, said Dana Altman. We'll be back. The friggin' wax out of your ears. Did you hear me? This is Sports Talk. This is Sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. Sweet 16 starts tomorrow night. In fact, it starts while we are still on the air. 5.30 tip-off for Michigan State, Kansas State, and the Garden. Oh. You know how cool it would be if you were a college basketball player to play in a Sweet 16 or an Elite 8 in Madison Square Garden? It's never going to get a Final yeah, Four. It's not big cool. enough. Yeah. You know the the last team to advance to the Final Four out of Madison Square Garden? Hmm. That's a good trivia question right there. Michael, you should know this. This this is in your wheelhouse. South Carolina? Yeah. South Carolina. Frank Martin, South Carolina. Last last team to advance to the Final Four out of Madison Square Garden. Incredibly, that was his only NCAA tournament appearance at South Carolina. If you're going to only have one, you know, have one. Go ahead and make the most of it. Uh, Arkansas and UConn in Vegas. Some might say that's even cooler than the Garden. Uh, One is the Mecca, the other is the Strip. Whatever works for you. FAU in Tennessee in the Garden. Ooh, Country comes to town. All right. Michigan State, Kansas State, FAU, Tennessee. Rank the rank One of them's the attendance. Going to the Final Four. Yeah, rank the attendance. Like of those four teams, who will have the most number of fans in the Garden tomorrow night? Michigan State. Yes, one. Yeah, and then probably Tennessee. Agreed. Then Kansas State, then FAU. Yeah. On the same page there. And. If you go to bed early, tomorrow night's not your night. You gotta you gotta have a midday cup of coffee, have a Red Bull energy drink, whatever it is you like, eat a spoonful of sugar. I, I don't know. You gotta stay awake for Gonzaga and UCLA in Vegas with a scheduled eight forty five tip tomorrow night. Well, why are they I told doing that? Michael about this? I, I believe that game is on the the anniversary of the classic UCLA-Gonzaga game where 
uh, Adam Morrison. He, he cried like Nancy Kerrigan. <laughs> like Nancy Kerrigan. <sighs> Why are they doing that? Because they're on the West Coast. The fans of those two teams will be wide awake. Yeah, but to. Television executives don't care about the fans of the two teams involved. It's about getting as many people across the U.S. of A. to watch. Oh, like I couldn't agree more with that start time, though. I don't want four games or two games going at the same time. I mean, at least they're staggered. Yeah, Yeah. but so you basically get to halftime of Michigan State, Kansas State. I mean, that's six thirty in the Garden. I mean, you can't go a whole lot earlier than that for Game One in New York. And then Arkansas-UConn tips. And as that's getting close to half, you flip back to Michigan State, Kansas State, watch the front. And then at 8, FAU-Tennessee, game 2 in the Garden, and then 8.45. I don't have have an issue with the start times. And then you got San Diego State, this is Friday night, San Diego State-Bama in Louisville. Miami and Houston in Kansas City, Princeton, Creighton in Louisville, Xavier and Texas in Kansas City. A lot of a lot of different names. The only there's a few, a few. You know, Alabama's a different name. There, yeah, it is. It absolutely is. I mean, UCLA, Gonzaga, Xavier, maybe Texas. I mean, I always think Texas football first. I mean, those those first three, though, are those are the ones you're like, okay, basketball, yeah, that's what Michigan those, State. those schools do. Michigan State, yeah, I agree with Izzo, yeah. And, and Arkansas-UConn are enough. Uh, I mean, those are, those are places UConn where basketball for sure. matters a ton. UConn for sure. Well, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, but Arkansas, you know, it's still, I still think football first, yeah. But Arkansas basketball is far more storied than Arkansas football. That is... A oh, yeah, 100% true statement. No question. Don't say that to an no Arkansas question. fan. Like, like, like some of you... You can say to Pat Bradley, I bet. Pat Bradley would, would He'd like that. that. Yeah. It's, it's just accurate. Hmm? It's accurate. Just more story. Arkansas baseball or basketball? One has a national title, one doesn't. So I'm going to go Arkansas basketball. You're so close. Catch the ball. Catch the ball. Literally. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week. At one SEC series that starts tomorrow. The other six start on Friday. Sweet sixteen tomorrow. We will have plenty of fun with you for Michael Borky and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studios. I'm Richard Cross. Have a great Wednesday night, and don't miss Thunder and Lightning coming up next right here on these same Super Talk (laughs) Mississippi stations. Oh, it's incredible! 
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.